From the Goodnight Scholars Program at NC State University, I'm Anthony O'Leary Wright, and this is Have a Good Night. On today's episode, I sit down with the Associate Director of the Goodnight Scholars Program, Jill Zaleski, and talk about the Goodnight Explorers Initiative within the Goodnight Scholars Program, the importance of in-person interaction, supporting the local economy, and the relationship between Batman and Alfred. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, um, so let's kick things off with just telling uh, me, again, we're talking here, you know, telling me about yourself, um, your background and um, work experience things prior to joining the Good Night Scholars program. Yeah, so the students always make fun of me because on retreats, or not on retreats, on Trinidad, whenever we reflect enough to talk about ourselves, I usually just say I was born in Massachusetts and then go straight to college. And so they always laugh at me because they said nothing happened in between. Uh, But... I don't know if I should say my name, but I will. So I'm Jill. <laughs> but I was born and raised in Massachusetts in a small town, maybe rural. We have some farms and stuff, but with three uh, traffic lights in the whole town and one Dunkin' Donuts, which I know just sounds like a lot, but for Massachusetts, it's not. Uh, and then I went to college in Rhode Island at a small private school called Roger Williams University and studied communications, psychology, and American studies. Um, and that's where I discovered what I wanted to do, which I loved working with like my friends and helping them academic advise their classes and like pick out their plans and talk about their careers and things like that. And so I thought I was going to be a guidance counselor because I didn't realize you could work at a college campus, which is really stupid because I was on one. But once I discovered you could work on a college campus, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And growing up in New England my whole life, I decided it was time to get out of New England. So I went to, I only looked at large public institutions in the South and Midwest and then decided actually to go to NC State, which I loved because it was in a city and it was a new location and it was a really great program. Uh, and then after that, I spent most of my career early working in housing and residence life. Um, I went and worked at George Mason outside DC, and then I worked at Duke University, uh, which is down the road in Durham. And then after working in housing for a long time, I decided that I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. And luckily found this job opportunity through a call or a former colleague. Um, and it was the perfect combination of everything I wanted to do with travel, advising, um, helping students, career advising, teaching a class, leadership, retreats and programming. So it kind of combines all the things I like to do. That's awesome. I feel like um, back to your time in Massachusetts, like similar to how when I tell people like oh, I'm from Wisconsin, like they know nothing about like Wisconsin or just like what, you know, what what do you do in Wisconsin? Like in general, yeah. have the same thoughts about Massachusetts and just like, I didn't even know rural parts of Massachusetts existed. I just thought that it was just like, I don't know what I thought Massachusetts was <laughs> like. I just thought everything was just like one big, like colonial party in a way. Like, I mean, it's a lot of historic houses, but there are farms still. It's like but they're yeah. not North Carolina farms. Is the other thing they're really small, like family-owned farms, or you can kind of see where the farms were, and they're not really in existence anymore. So you can see the land that farms were on to. But got you. Yeah, and. uh you know, we're glad to have you here. You know, I mean, I'm also new here. I'm acting like, you know, I've been here. I'm we're glad to welcome you. I'm glad Thanks to work with you. Me. Um, 
And so cool. So like through like, you know, your college experiences, housing, um, and like, again, like you kind of already shared, you know, this job that you're currently in, uh, associate director, ADJZ, um, you're able to combine all of these things that you enjoy into this one position. But like outside of just like this position, like, why are you, like, why are you in higher ed? And just like, like, what do you hope to, to contribute to the world through your, your, involvement in this profession that's a big question not loaded it's just a really big question but I think my whole life I've just liked helping people and talking with people and so I wanted to figure out a job where I could help and talk to people in a way that could help them figure out their careers and I always think in my head especially within this program and this amazing students we have is that my goal is to make them change the world in a way that that's my contribution to society is like helping people change the world rather than me changing the world. Like I will not cure cancer, but I could help a student get the confidence to go on and cure cancer eventually. And so I think education is the way I like to do it because I know I don't have, not that I don't have the ability. I just don't love being in a lab and not being able to talk to people and mm-hmm. I think with me working with these students is amazing and especially the Goodnight Scholars program because it kind of combines that the student drive as well as students that are low to middle income and might have like some barriers in their place so you can help them teach them things that they can go on and do those amazing things, whether it's getting a PhD or working and things like that. And I think helping the students kind of figure out what they want to do is my favorite thing, as well as helping them find the confidence in themselves and the ability to do those things. And that's what I really like about this program is kind of some students you've worked with and they come in and they're just like, I can do it all. And that's fine. But I feel like they're not open to getting help, whereas our students are. And that's what I also love about it, too. That's awesome. You're like a a change agent for change agents. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I just know that I'm not going to be the change agent, I guess, which I think Not in a way that's like people think it would be like self-deprecating, but I just know where my skills lie and I want to help people like get the confidence to do the things that they want to do. Right. It's like, um, it's like people, people who are going to go off to do like larger, you know, like, I don't know, things like you said, like cure cancer or figure out climate change or whatever is going on with our world. Um, they need to push, right? Or like they need people to be like, hey, we believe in you. This is how you can like do X, Y, and Z things. This is a resource. And that's what higher ed is all about. I try to explain that to my mom all the time and she doesn't like, she doesn't really get it, you know, but like who really gets higher ed outside of like higher ed folks? Yeah. Um, well, and that's why I like this program. Cause I think when I was in housing, I could have high touch with the RAs, but there were so many other competing priorities that we had to deal with that. And even like the conduct aspect with that was not my favorite because yes, you can teach mm-hmm. students and help them grow, but Sometimes I was like, you shouldn't be getting in trouble for this. Like, this is stupid. Like, I get it. But at least with our students, we can actually have the learning chats with them rather than just going straight to you're in trouble. But often I feel like, is it Alfred from the Batman? Because like Batman Mm -hmm. can't run without Alfred. Like he needs to be there to support him and help him grow. But yeah, he's not Batman saving the world. But Batman wouldn't be able to do what he does without him. Because that's kind of how higher ed is sometimes. I really like that analogy. We are the the Alfreds to student success. No, it sounds bad because it's like a butler, but it's not meant to be. It's just like Alfred was more than a butler. He like ran the whole computer systems too. Mm-hmm. Like that that guy had a computer science degree probably. Every iteration of Alfred was important and everybody loves Alfred. Like there's no one that's like, people hate Batman, you know, for whatever reasons. Yeah. But like people love Alfred. Oh like, yeah, yeah. We're the Alfred of higher, or like higher ed. But yeah, because otherwise Batman wouldn't be as great as he is without the push. Exactly. 
So cool. I'm gonna ADJZ Alfred where all yeah, those Alfred, things. just a butler in a tuxedo. And so thinking about um, your role, right? And so you were formerly the assistant director, mm-hmm. now the associate director. Um, but during the time that we're going to be focusing on, you were um, the assistant director. Um, talk to us about what um, your role encompassed of, and um, just what that looked like pre pre COVID. <laughs> it was such a good life pre COVID, but. Uh, As the assistant director, I spent most of my time working on scholar programming and so to develop them personally and professionally. And a lot of our students have never been able to experience things just based on location and money and finances and things like going to their first Broadway show uh, or resume review. And so that's what I loved about my job because it was a combination of both types of programs, whether it be students having a faculty dinner and meeting with faculty and developing what faculty come and trying to choose a diverse array of faculty from NC State, whether it be like subjects and career paths and things like that, as well as just being able to help these students experience something that they never have, whether it's seeing a Broadway show or going to an art museum for the first time. Uh, A lot of the students are from rural areas and maybe have never been to Raleigh, so they haven't experienced some of the museums or things that other people have. Uh, Also, my other favorite thing is travel. I love when students go on their plane for the first time with us just to help them experience travel. And so as a kid, I wasn't, I think I went on a plane once to Disney World as a child because I feel like everyone in New England somehow gets a Disney vacation. But (laughs) I think I've loved travel and had to teach myself how to travel and do all those things without anyone ever telling me like, how do you book rooms and where do you, how do you book flights? But also like, how do you figure out an itinerary for yourself and where do you look for information? And so helping students learn that is my favorite thing. And Mm. even when we're in the cities, we actually choose a student who has to get us to the next location. And that way they can actually learn how to travel in the city. So it's not just following me the whole time. They have to lead the entire group through the, whether it's taking transportation or walking their process, which I also love. Uh, And then even just GSP 250, teaching the students how to develop professionally and interview people, but also how to be better in their careers from their first year to their senior year. And then just seeing the students grow is my other favorite thing. Cause now this class that graduated in 2021 came in with me. And so it's interesting remembering them from their first day retreat to the end of the process and kind of how they've all grown and learned and changed over these past four years. Yeah, I think uh, back to the the travel piece, there was the first time I ever traveled by myself. Like I didn't really understand like the whole like terminal situation. And so I just seen that I needed to go to like gate eight and I just went to the first gate eight that I seen. Um, But it was in a terminal and not F or whatever that I needed to go to. And I was like younger too. So I was like, you know, where, where am I? (laughs) Um, But you know, the, the people at America airlines, shout out to them, um, you know, help me out in that situation. Um, and uh, we were all good. But sounds like you were doing like a lot of cool things Yes. Um, across the board, uh, which I think is something that the Good Night uh, Scholars Program prides itself on. It's just like being a resource and like ex- or exposing students to, you know, a lot of different experiences that um, they may not have had or that will be like culturally, professionally and like personally enriching and stuff like that. Awesome. But then we hit COVID. Right. And um, things kind of kind of shift. So when, when things begin, began to change, um, like, uh, probably around March 15th, I remember March 15th, cause that was my last day in the office, um, at my last job. What was your initial reaction to, we are about to shut down everything and programming, which is a large part of your job, um, is going to essentially change drastically. 
Well, I was actually in Trinidad on our trip uh, that whole week, which was fun and exciting because it was the last time I traveled as well as the students. But I think that was also daunting because Allison was texting me while I was literally in the middle of a rainforest without service. And you could only get service if you were like hiking into a certain area. Uh, which was daunting because I didn't actually know what was happening. And Allison was asking for feedback and I couldn't provide feedback because I just didn't have cell phone service. And I had to like not tell the students what was happening, which was weird being in a foreign country while there was a global pandemic happening around us, uh, especially in a foreign country that actually had no cases of COVID. And by the time we left, they had one, but at least it felt safer than being in Raleigh almost just because they didn't have any cases but also realizing that we were the danger because we were coming from a place that had multiple COVID cases to a place that did not. And even we had to change the trip the whole week, which was really daunting too, because we couldn't go into the rural areas we typically go to because we were the danger ones. So I think even yeah. talking with the students that we were the dangerous ones going into these places and how we couldn't go because the rural cities just don't have access to healthcare. So it's just easier for them to close off than to get COVID. And so I think it was weird because I had to cancel all of our programming and email everyone while in Trinidad one night. And so the students, I think it was daunting for them because they wanted a lot of questions answered and I couldn't answer those questions, obviously, because no one could. But I was in charge of 18, yeah, 18 students through that experience and trying to get through an airport, Miami-Dade, very big airport when we like realized that stuff was going down. <laughs> And then I think it was just weird because I got back to campus with Bailey, who was also traveling, and we had to we had to like get all the stuff out from Trinidad and put it away. And then I remember I took my monitor because I expected to only be gone for a month, but I was like, oh, I'll want a second monitor for a month. And then it turned into basically a lifetime is what it feels like. And so from there, it was just weird because we had to, our program, I think, establishes itself on having connections with the students, whether it's them just from like the bottom layer of them chilling in the lounge to having a graduation event celebrating our class of 2020 grads. And so luckily with the help of an amazing team of colleagues, we were able to do a virtual event for our class of 2020 grads. And we created this whole virtual experience for them basically in a couple weeks, which was pretty intense to celebrate them because there was nothing else we could do. But also we just mm -hmm. kind of switched gears to do a lot of virtual programming and some of the things was just making cooking videos. So each of the staff made a cooking video, cooking some of our favorite foods. We would host game nights and trivia nights. I tried karaoke. It did not work. Zoom karaoke is awful. Like it was a really bad idea. But it was just a lot of trial and error during that time just to help the students feel connected to us. And then the summer was just trying to plan how to make the year the safest it could be, but also keeping our goals in mind of a good night scholars program where we can connect a community, whether it's virtually or in person with masks. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think uh, we all have like our pandemic stories of like, where were you when the pandemic hit? It's like uh, the equivalent of our, like, where were you when 9-11 hit? And I think yeah. um, you, Bailey, talked about how we were kids and like the rollout carts with the TVs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, clearly all of us had to make a, a shift, but I think that folks who had like programming specific um, roles, um, I've always just like wondered, you know, just like what that transition was like, um, you know, fast forward then to the next school year, um, that 2020-2021 school year, you've had some time to plan for the summer um, to really figure out, you know, like, okay, we're going to be in this environment for a little bit longer. Like, how can we still maintain our values as a program of like, um, you know, doing these things for students in a way where they can still build community and, 
um, you know, still do things that are fun and exciting and engaging. Um, and then you came up with the Goodnight Explorers program. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and kind of like the, the thought process and genesis of that entire situation. Yeah. So I remember Jay, we were trying to make the all good night meeting video and Jay was like, yeah, we just need to include any innovative programming things you're doing this year due to COVID. And I had none. And the video was due, I think in two weeks, like the script of the video. And then I said, oh crap, what am I going to do? Just because I want to give the students something new. And I was trying to think. And then luckily that summer, there's a running store. I am a runner, if anyone doesn't know, but I like to run and things like that. But Bull City Running is a running store in Durham. And they decided to do this social distancing project where they would send people uh, to different places in Durham to run segments. So a couple miles of a certain trail, and then there was weekly prizes. And then I think you could get a prize at the end or something like that for a lottery. And I was trying to think about what we could do with the good nights because I knew that once we got to the fall, they wouldn't want to be on Zoom. So in the spring, luckily, most of their teachers couldn't figure out how to get on Zoom, I think, and just finished out the school year the best way they could. But in the fall, I knew they would be on Zoom all the time. And I just figured virtual programming was probably not going to be the best. And so what can we do to get them to see Raleigh, which is a purpose of our social programming, and be able to hang out together safely if they want to do so? And so then I realized that through that social distance running project that Bull City Running had put, is that we could make a program where each week they have a different challenge to go somewhere that's outdoors. So this way, if it rains, we don't have to deal with it because it's their decision on what day to go, as well as they can go with as many or as few people as they want to. And that is how it was kind of born in a way to help them explore Raleigh and, the, um, and NC State as well, and so be able to see things. Because I think the problem was in the fall, even though NC State closed after two weeks, is that no one was really doing in-person programming at all, which is weird because it's hot out so you can be outside in like the winter and no one was offering it to the students except virtually. And so I think the students that were coming in didn't know what to do as well as they didn't really know campus or Raleigh because they never left. And so this way the students could kind of experience Raleigh as well as each other. So they got extra points if they went with someone they didn't know. They also got extra points if they went with somewhat or at least one other person and then uh, they got points every week. The funniest thing, though, is when we incepted this, we decided to give a prize to the person with the most points, not thinking that four people would have done every activity with as many people as possible. But four of them did. So then we had to actually give out four prizes to what I like to call the perfect explorers. Oh, that's precious. I, I don't even I think I've never heard the, that terminology before, the perfect explorers. Yeah, they all got to choose something they wanted. But luckily, it ended on Black Friday. So there were really good deals to get them something. Solid. And so with, um, you know, the rollout of the program and like this point system and like the incentives, sounds like you really all like had this thought out. Um, what was the initial reaction to students, I guess, like when it first dropped? Um, and like, was it hard for them to like get on board with this idea? Or were they pretty just like accepting and welcoming of the this concept? I honestly thought that not a lot of people would do it, to be like 100% honest. I came up with the idea because I wanted to offer them something. And if they didn't like it, we would just cancel it, I guess you could say. And so the first week, I think we had 75 students participate, which is before campus closed, wow. which was insane. We did not anticipate that. But it actually worked out. So within our program, we have a mentorship program. So all first-year students get a mentor. And so it's two 
like incoming scholars with one mentor. And the problem I've helped with the mentor program in the past is mentors sometimes don't know where to take their students and they're supposed to meet with them at least weekly. And so this program actually helped a lot of mentors because they would just go on the Goodnight Explorer as their like mentor mentee time, uh, which I think helped and I didn't realize was going to happen when we initiated it. But then once campus closed and a lot of our students went home, I was nervous because I didn't think anyone would do it. So we were deciding whether or not to cancel it. But the students that were in Raleigh, especially our transfer scholars that had put leases on apartments that they could no longer cancel. They really loved the program because it was a way for them to connect with the community. And so we still had about 35 or 40 students like participate each week, which I was shocked by. And so I just, I honestly didn't think we'd get many participants, but each week, Bailey and I did a good job over the summer. We planned out each location for each week. We wrote each description. So that way each week we just had to release where it was going to be. And then we always tried to make sure, because we knew some students didn't have cars or sometimes they didn't have money. And so we always wanted to also stimulate the local economy. So sometimes we'd pick places like Cup of Joe Coffee Shop, which was a local business, especially during COVID sometimes, as we know, businesses weren't doing as well. And so we wanted to offer them cheap places to stimulate the economy, but also free options if they didn't have money. And so we try to choose a place that you could drive to as well as a place you could walk to each week just to kind of help meet all student needs. And as long as they went to one place each week, they could get enough points for sweatpants. I also think the sweatpants was an incentive I did not anticipate. And so <laughs> the students have been asking for sweatpants for years. And so we just decided to make that the prize. And for a lot of them, that was one of the things that got them going. But they actually liked exploring once they figured out what the program was. So I think it started with sweatpants and it ended with them actually having a group of people that they really liked and got to meet. And most of them said they would not have met otherwise. And so some of our mm. students, it's like harder for them to meet seniors, but they actually created their own group me for Goodnight Explorers. Again, since not all the students were on campus or felt comfortable just being with other people. And so this way they could explore. And then it was really cute. One week we had cookout as one of the places that they could go, which was their favorite week. But I think we had two students that actually weren't local to Raleigh and they actually went to cookout too to get points, which was really sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it did exactly what you wanted it to, like build community. Um, people were able to, you know, see Raleigh and experience it, even though, you know, school in the traditional sense, like wasn't happening um, in the ways that they probably expected. Um, and and folks had a good time. And, you know, everyone loves a good pair of sweatpants, you know, some casual loungewear at the, at the crib, you know, from time to time. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like it was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a question that someone asked me um, about how, like, what am I bringing from kind of like this entire like virtual space that we're still very much in? I mean, like, we're, we're not doing this like in person right now. Um, but just like from this virtual space that we're in, um, just like the things that we've, that we've learned that we've adopted into like our professional practice. Um, where they'd be like programming such as this um, or just like Zoom etiquette or just like whatever. Um, what are some things that you feel like you're bringing from this time, um, whether it be programmatically or otherwise, um, into this newly opening world, um, hopefully, that we continue to experience as, you know, vaccines and stuff continue to roll out? Um, what are some things that you're going to bring uh, with you? I think the biggest thing I learned, which is the opposite, I think, of what other people are kind of saying right now, is that in-person connections are completely invaluable. Like you can't place a value on, or I guess they're completely valuable. Valuable. Oh, gosh. Um, but I think I realized how important in-person things are. And so 
we did do things like Zoom trivia, which was really like that worked out the best, I think, of any social events on Zoom. But at the same time, like I said, we tried Zoom karaoke and it was absolutely terrible. Like it is not meant to be on Zoom because people are awkward. There's nowhere to hide. The sound quality isn't great. You're on video and you feel awkward in your house if the lights are on and there's not like a like image that you want for things like that. And so I think what I really learned from COVID is that although I do like some virtual programming that we can do, so we can do some Zoom panels with people across the country that are professionals that we would never be able to access before. We can even create mentor-mentee relationships through our professional mentorship program with people across the country rather than just local. I've also learned that the in-person things are invaluable. I think that it's invaluable, but... I think so. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. They know what you're talking about. Yeah, hopefully. But I think with Goodnight Explorers, it actually kind of helped even solidify what I thought because they were just craving in-person interactions and virtual interactions 100% of the time are not good. They're not good for your mental health. I think even you can't create friendships through it because you can't have a side conversation on Zoom. And so even with our professional mentorship, you can't just have people chatting. You kind of have to have a formal panel for them to learn about it. And then if they want to connect later on a more personal level, they can. But especially for introverted students, when we have a real leadership dinner, which is our series where we bring in professionals and you can have dinner, if you're sitting down and you're more introverted and don't want to ask a question in front of the whole group, you have that time to ask during dinner with only a couple people. So you'd feel maybe safer doing so. And so I think that's what I've learned through COVID is although yeah, it's great to do some virtual things and there's great opportunities with it that the in-person interactions, especially seeing how much these students love Goodnight Explorers are completely invaluable. And I think even the mental health of the students this year, you could see it at the end of every semester. They were just done with being online and being on Zoom and they were feeling isolated. And so at least through Goodnight Explorers and other in-person programming we offered, we could offer safe spaces for them to actually interact with each other and get what they were kind of craving that whole time. Do you plan to do Goodnight Explorers as like a staple program uh, within our office from this point forward or like even just like next year? We'll do it next year and then I think we'll see. I think it will be a staple. I really just didn't expect that many students to be interested in it. Although I think they're going to get upset with me because we're going to change the swag item, I think, for this year from sweatpants. So hopefully it's another coveted item, but I think just to change it up a little bit, just to make it. We'll go back to sweatpants eventually, but. I think it will work. I also want to see how it works with all the students being on campus this fall and how higher numbers are especially mm-hmm. with the mentors and the mentees, because it gives mentors a place to go each week without them having to think about what they actually want to do, which I think is really helpful for that program, as well as we've learned that some of the students can't meet each other if they're not in the same cohort. And so the mentor-mentee program sometimes helps because you'll get to meet your mentor's friends or the people that they take classes with and things like that. And so hopefully it still works. But yeah, I think it will stay for a long time, but I guess this year will be the test year too. And so what is a a piece of advice that you would give your 18 year old self? I saw that. (laughs) Okay. So I've been thinking about what advice I would give my 18 year old self. And I think this is the advice that I currently give the students now. So it really matches, but I think I would tell my 18 year old self just to do things and not think about it too much, I guess, if that makes sense. And so when I was 18 year old, 18, my first year in college, I literally had three friends. That was it. I had three friends. I didn't talk to anyone else. 
barely. And I mean, yeah, I had some interaction with other people, but like literally would go to lunch and dinner with three people in the gym. That was it. And I didn't do anything. And I was always just really nervous to insert myself into conversations or talk with people I didn't really know that well. And so eventually, as maybe most people would guess now, I have a lot more friends than three. And so what I learned is that you just kind of need to put yourself out there. And what I tell people is I'm an introvert, so it doesn't have to be like inserting yourself into conversations with people randomly at the grocery store. But I remember a lot of the friendships I've made, it's just because I sat down with the group and whether or not I talked to them and was just awkwardly sitting there and I just kept showing up. And through those things, you can make a lot of connections, meet a lot of people, but you just have to at least take that first step to do it. You don't have to be the life of the conversation or the life of a party. You just need to put yourself out there, whether it's quietly or awkwardly. But I also joke now with a lot of my friends that I'll always invite myself to things. And so if they're talking to something, I'll be like, oh, I want to go and I'll just invite myself. And that's actually helped me create a lot of connections and friendships things like that. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't literally be in the job I am today because even with my current job, it was through networking because I kept putting myself out there and inviting myself into experiences that I wanted to take a part in. That's awesome. And I feel like that's advice for adults as well, especially like adults in our like kind of like uh, 20s to early 30s age of like trying to make friends and like connect with folks and like all these other oh, things yeah. like my best friends, I just kept going to this run club and then I just kept sitting at their table because I knew of them. And I just kept sitting at the table. Maybe I didn't talk to them that much, but I sat at that table every week. And then finally they like started talking to me a lot. And I think that's just because I am introverted and I know some people will say it's super hard, but you have to, if you literally won't put yourself out there, you won't make any connections. And so if it's as small as just sitting at the table with people and asking to sit with them, they'll always say yes. Granted, COVID now is making that a little harder, but hopefully now if you're like, I'm vaccinated, can I sit with you? They'll say yes. And so. Hmm. Cool. Well, thank you for the interview, Joe. This has been fun to listen to you. Oh, good. I feel weird. I don't know if I'm meant to be on media. (laughs) You're putting yourself out there, Joe. You're following your own advice. Following my own advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're a prospective student and want to learn more about the Goodnight Scholars program, shoot us an email at goodnightscholarship at ncsu.edu so we can answer your questions. And remember, no matter what time of day you're listening in, we always hope that you have a good night. I'm Anthony O'Leary Wright. Peace out.